More and more free agent starting pitchers continue to come off the board, and the Orioles continue to not be the team that signs them. So with only a few guys left who can really make an impact, the question becomes, are the Orioles even looking further into the starting pitching market? We'll try to answer that question, plus take a look at who is left out there. Coming up on this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast. You are Locked On Orioles, your daily Baltimore Orioles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, Orioles fans. Today is Wednesday, December 14th, 2022. And welcome back in to the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I'm your host, Connor Newcomb. And coming up on today's episode, we're going to take a specific look at the free agent starting pitching market and the guys who are still out there left for the Orioles to sign. Now, the O's obviously early in free agency brought in Kyle Gibson on a one-year $10 million deal, but since then have done nothing. And a lot of other starting pitchers have gone off the market. And we have heard from the Orioles, from media members, from sources, that the O's were looking to sign two starting pitchers or at least bring in two starting pitchers this offseason. And so far, it's only been one back-end guy in Kyle Gibson. So today, we're going to look at the best guys available, including a closer look at maybe the guy who fits the Orioles the best that's left right now in Nathan Eovaldi, and then a look at the guys below him. Could they really help the O's if paired with Kyle Gibson in free agency? But that's all coming up on this episode of the Locked on Orioles podcast. Before we get there, though, just did want to thank you for making Locked on Orioles your first podcast listen of the day and thanking you for liking, commenting, and subscribing to the Locked on Orioles YouTube page, leaving a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen. This is our final week of five episodes a week here on the pod. I'll have two more episodes this week. And then starting on Monday, we will break it down to three episodes a week for the rest of the offseason. Generally, we'll be coming in Monday, Wednesday, and and Friday until we get to February and spring training and back to five days a week. But we'll still have all the Orioles news covered. And hey, if they sign a player and it's not a Monday, Wednesday, or Friday, we will have an episode coming to you as soon as possible right here on the podcast. We thank you also for getting in those mailbag questions for our Mailbag Monday and Tuesday episodes earlier this week. Make sure to go back and check those out as well. But let's get into today's episode. Taking a look at starting pitching because we are at the point where every day another free agent starting pitcher goes off the board and is not signed by the Orioles. And you can feel the frustration bubbling up between myself, between other Orioles media members, podcasters, writers, fans. Everyone across the board has differing levels of frustration. And I think it's okay to feel differently than other people. I think there are certainly people out there who maybe aren't frustrated at all and trying to come at people for even showing frustration. I don't know if that's the best way to approach it, but I think there's varying levels of frustration. I think there's definitely people out there who think, you know what, would I have liked to have Chris Bassett? Yes. Would I have liked to have Kodai Senga? Yes. But, you know, they're maybe holding out hope for Carlos Rodon. I mean, he is still out there as of 4 p.m. Eastern time here on Tuesday as I record. And there's people saying, you know what, it's still December 14th, and we haven't even got to the new year. And although the winter meetings were busy, there's still plenty of time left, plenty of free agents, and a lot of guys the Orioles could trade for as well. Having one of the best systems in baseball, they could always go get a pitcher via trade. I think that's a perfectly healthy way to look at it. I think I'm a little more annoyed and disappointed than people in that camp. 
I am definitely still trying to be patient because I know the O's can certainly trade for someone and have the players in their system to go get a key starting pitcher via trade. But I'm close to moving past them bringing in another free agent besides Kyle Gibson, at least among starting pitchers. And that's why I chose to kind of have this topic on today's episode because there, there's one ace left. It's Carlos Rodon. Now, John Heyman reported Monday that the Orioles are still in on him, but looks like the Yankees are deep in talks with him, the Giants are deep in talks with him, and he wants a seven-year, $200-plus-million-dollar deal. From what the O's have shown us, I highly, highly, highly doubt the Orioles are giving out that kind of deal to Carlos Rodon right now. I've kind of just wiped Rodon from my mind. Would he be a perfect fit for the Orioles right now? Yes, 100%. I would love to see the Orioles sign Carlos Rodon. I just don't think they're going to do it anymore, and it's disappointing. So even though he's clearly the best pitcher out there, it's kind of going to be my last mention of him in this episode because, you know, I've broken down the starting pitchers in tiers on different episodes before, and you could argue Carlos Rodon's the only tier one guy left. He was in there with Verlander and DeGrom, and obviously those two guys have signed. There's only a few tier two guys left as well, but wanted to start by focusing on who I think is the best tier two guy remaining and that is Nathan Eovaldi. I think besides Rodon, Nathan Eovaldi is the only free agent pitcher left on the market who you could sign, start on opening day of 2023, and feel still good about that being your opening day starter. He's started three opening days in a row for the Boston Red Sox. He could certainly do it again for the Orioles. So the quick breakdown on Eovaldi and and could the O's go get him? A 33-year-old right-hander. Well, he's 32. He'll be 33 in February. The right-hander who has spent some time with the Red Sox over the last few years. The Red Sox, with him becoming a free agent, did extend him the qualifying offer. He declined it and then became a free agent. And we do know that the Red Sox are still in talks, potentially, with Eovaldi to try and bring him back. And sources have told me that the Orioles are definitely in on Eovaldi and are talking with him and have kind of pinpointed him at this point as their top free agent starting pitcher that is left, you know, as I record here on Tuesday. So those are all good things. Now, in terms of the median predicted contract, again, from John Becker of Fangraph's roster resource, the projection was right around three years, $50 million. That's about $17 million per year. And for a guy like Nathan Eovaldi, I would do that. Now, with the way the pitching market has operated, Eovaldi may be able to get more like $20 million per year instead of seventeen. So it could look more like a three-year $60 million deal, similar to the deal Chris Bassett got from the Blue Jays earlier this week, which was three years, $63 million. And the other thing, of course, is Eovaldi does have the qualifying offer. Bassett had the qualifying offer attached as well. But what that means is if the Orioles sign Eovaldi, not only do they pay his guaranteed contract, whatever money they give him, but they would also have to forfeit their second-round pick in the 2023 MLB draft. So, depending on how much that pick is worth to the Orioles, I mean, in terms of slot value, it's probably a, around a, a million to $2 million, but it may be worth in prospect capital even more. They do have to factor that in when making the signing, and it certainly doesn't help the Orioles' case to sign him if a guy, unfortunately, has this qualifying offer. So, what would he bring to the Orioles? Well, he did have some injury struggles in 2022, and, and that's been kind of the calling card at times for Nathan Eovaldi throughout his career. He started only 20 games 
2022 for the Red Sox through 109 and a third innings. Had a 3.87 ERA with a 4.30 FIP. And 22% strikeout rate was one of the lowest of his careers. A 4% the walk rate was, was very, very good. Well below basically half of the league average, that walk rate for Eovaldi. But he did have two injuries that caused him to miss significant time. He missed... Six weeks from mid-August to late September with shoulder inflammation. He did return to make a few starts at the end of the year. And he also missed a month between June and July with back inflammation. So that caused him to essentially miss, you know, you could say 12 or 13 starts on the year. Ended up starting only 20 games for the Red Sox. Now, he was fully healthy in 2021 and really put together a great season. 32 starts that year for the Red Sox, 182 in a third innings, had a 3.75 ERA, but pitched way better than that, a 2.79 FIP, by far a career low for Nathan Eovaldi. The stuff was great, 26% strikeout rate, just a 4% walk rate. Again, stuff was humming for Eovaldi in 2021 in Boston. He had a great, great year with the Red Sox. And, you know, you look through his history, and, you know, he came up with the Dodgers, then went to the Marlins. He's pitched for the Yankees and has been with the Red Sox since 2018. Pitched a half season there for the Rays. They traded him to Boston in 2018. And Ivaldi helped Boston win that World Series in 2018. Was actually really, really good in the playoffs that year. Threw 22 and a third innings and had a 1.61 postseason ERA, leading the Red Sox to the title, including, remember, he pitched that absurd 17-inning game in Game 3 of the World Series. Pitched like most of extra innings in relief in that game, and he was pretty good in the playoffs in 2021 when Boston went to the ALCS as well, and and I get it. He's had his injury history. He's had two Tommy Johns in his career. Once, or his first time was his junior year of high school. All the way back in 2007, he got Tommy John. Then nine years later, in August 2016, when he was with the Yankees, he got Tommy John again, forced him to miss all of 2017 and the beginning part of the 2018 season as well, but Despite a few injuries that have kept him out here and there, he's been not fully healthy, but generally healthy. Although some of the numbers are concerning. Like 2019 with Boston, you know, he only pitched 67 and two-thirds innings. Some of that was because they moved him to the bullpen for a time. Other of that, because he was dealing with like bone chips in his elbow. He's dealt with that in 18 and 19 that's kept him out for some time. So there is injury risk with the Avaldi. And he wasn't amazing last year, but some of it was because of injury. But he was so, so good in 2021, just a year removed from that. If he can get back to that level, he is easily worth $20 million a year for three years and easily could help this Orioles team a lot at the top of the rotation and pitch opening day for the O's. I mean, it's a fastball at 96. It's an elite splitter with almost a 40% whiff rate. And then he kind of comes at you with the big curveball and then a harder slider and a cutter as well. It's good, good stuff from Nathan Eovaldi. And I think he really helps the Orioles. And... With what's left on the free agency market for pitching, if the O's are going to get another guy who's really going to make an impact, and I don't think it's going to be Rodon, that leaves Nathan Eovaldi to be the guy for the Orioles. And they're going to have to compete with the Red Sox, who haven't done much this offseason, are going to want to bring Eovaldi back. But he's got the stuff to help this team, and he's still only 32. He's still pretty young. But we'll see if they're willing to give out those deals. Again, as I've heard, you know, the offers the O's have been giving to free agent pitchers have all been two to three years. They haven't been willing to go further. Again, many people predicting Eovaldi will take a two or three year deal. But if the Red Sox go to four years, will the Orioles match that? I don't know if they will. And whether that's John Angelos or Mike Elias, you know, I've talked about that recently. It's still an issue either way. And so 
he would help the O's. He could start opening day. If he can stay healthy, he can get close to 200 innings. He's done it before. And I just think he'd be a good pickup. But the Orioles have kind of got themselves in the spot where behind Rodon, he's kind of the last really good top-of-the-rotation potential pickup. Because there's still other starters left, don't get me wrong. But I think there's a good drop-off after Eovaldi. Now, there's still a couple of maybe Tier 2 guys who could definitely upgrade the Orioles' rotation, at least in some sense, if they brought them in. We'll talk about who those free agent starting pitchers are coming up next. But first, this episode of the Locked On Orioles podcast is brought to you by BetOnline.net, which is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis here in December. Because we've got the World Cup going on, Argentina taking down Croatia on Tuesday to get to the final, and then today it's France and Morocco to decide the other spot in Sunday's World Cup final. Get all the lines, all the odds on every game at Bet Online. Plus, college football bowl season starting here in the next day or so. So many bowl games all the betting you could do. NFL Saturday and Sunday coming up over the next few weeks. College basketball, NBA, NHL. It's all going on at betonline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, which I hope you do, you're listening to this one, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. They are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more at BetOnline, where the game starts. So I think I made it clear that I don't think the O's are going to sign Carlos Rodon. And that leaves Nathan Eovaldi as really the best choice out there for the Orioles. Now, if they don't get Eovaldi, which is a possibility, they haven't gotten a lot of these other guys, I put together a group of pitchers who are left. Kind of an exhaustive list. And I put five guys left behind Rodon and Eovaldi who I think would at least upgrade the Orioles' rotation wherever they slotted in. I think that group starts with Noah Syndergaard, who, again, as of recording here, about 4.15 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday, John Heyman reporting that the Noah Syndergaard market is heating up. He said four teams are in on him. Now we know the Orioles have already met with Noah Syndergaard, so the O's could be one of those four teams. He's definitely been a guy connected to Baltimore, but we will see. I would put him at the top of this list of other guys who would still be an upgrade. 30-year-old righty. The mean contract value looks like about two years, $24 million. I would project him to get maybe closer to two years, $30 million, which is certainly something the Orioles should do. He threw 135 innings last year for the Angels and the Phillies, 3.94 ERA, 3.83 FIP. He was coming off Tommy John surgery. Remember, was you know throwing 101 with a crazy slider and good stuff when he was with the Mets before the TJ. After the TJ, you know, throwing 93-95 with the Angels and the Phillies, not the same stuff, but he was kind of pitching differently, less strikeouts, pitching deeper into games. He'd still be helpful. And I think if Noah Syndergaard signed with the Orioles, he would easily have one of the O's five rotation spots, and he would upgrade the rotation. Now, by how much, that can be debated, but he would upgrade the rotation. And that's why he kind of leads this list. And I think, although not as good of an option, Michael Waka also falls into that category. 31-year-old righty projections around two years, 20 million for him to get here in free agency this year. And Waka, who 
had had that good start to his career with St. Louis, then bounced around a bit, had a real good bounce-back year with Boston last season. Now, had a little bit of injury concerns, so didn't pitch as much as he wanted to, but in 127 innings, Waka did have a 3.32 ERA. He dominated the Orioles a couple times. Now, a 4.14 FIP means he probably got a little bit lucky, but he's got that really, really good split changeup that helps him get righties and lefties out. And again, good back end of the rotation option that would be an upgrade to the O's rotation. He'd fit in around four or five with Kyle Gibson, not as much upside, definitely not as much upside as a guy like Noah Syndergaard has, but I still think he's an upgrade. Then there are three older guys who you could argue could be redundant because the Orioles have already signed Kyle Gibson, a 35-year-old to a one-year $10 million deal who's going to be the veteran innings eater. You could also argue that all three of these guys have a higher upside than Kyle Gibson does for the 2023 season, which is why I put them in this list as they're probably an upgrade. So it starts with Corey Kluber, 37-year-old, former Cy Young winner, projections around a one-year $12 million deal. He did throw 164 innings last year with the Rays, a 4-3-4 ERA, a 3-5-7 FIP. He's still getting guys out. It's not the same, you know, fastball, breaking ball combo. You know, he had the Tommy John surgery, but... The stuff is somewhat there, and he's still getting guys out. I think he would help the Orioles. Another guy is Johnny Cueto, who it looked like his career was over, and then he kind of came in and signed late with the White Sox last year and put up good numbers. I mean, he threw 158 innings. He had a 3.35 ERA with a 3.79 FIP. Projections are around a one-year, $11 million deal for Cueto. Now, Cueto's 37, and he doesn't strike anyone out anymore, but he got a lot of soft contact with the White Sox. And honestly, the White Sox season was a... Huge, huge disappointment last year, but they would have been in much, much worse shape if they did not have Cueto to kind of stabilize that rotation at times last season. And then the last guy who I still could think could be an upgrade is Zach Granke. Of course, we've heard multiple times in the past, the Orioles over the years trying to get Zach Granke. Well, he's now 39 years old. Again, the projections are about a one-year, 10 or $11 million deal. And, you know, he went back to the Royals last year and, you know, he had a, a little bit of injury, but generally... Did enough. I mean, he was solid. 137 innings, a 3.68 ERA, a 4.03 FIP. Again, could be a tiny bit of a higher ceiling, maybe not than Kyle Gibson, maybe kind of equal pitchers, but I think could at least upgrade the rotation, and especially would be an interesting guy to uh, to have in that Orioles clubhouse, as we know. Zach Greinke certainly is an interesting fella. But those are really, I think, the, the seven free agent pitchers left who could upgrade the rotation. Rodon certainly is an ace. Eovaldi could be and definitely upgrades. And then you got Syndergaard, Waka, Kluber, Cueto, and Granke, who I think could at least help. And if the O's signed him, you could say the O's rotation got a little bit better. Now, there are still a lot of other names out there. And this is even before we get to who the O's could trade for, which we'll talk about later this week on the pod. But there are still other free agent names out there. Some guys I could see the Orioles signing. Would they be an upgrade to what the O's even have now? Well, that's for you maybe to decide. And we'll talk about those guys coming up next. So we've gone through who the best target for the O's is left, Nathan Diavaldi. We've talked about some other guys who are kind of in that tier two who would probably be an upgrade. Now we get to this last group of free agent starting pitchers left. The guys who are out there, who are most likely going to get major league deals from some team, and will start games in the big leagues this year. Now, are these guys upgrades to what the Orioles currently have in their rotation? To the, you know, Dean Kramer, Kyle Bradish, Kyle Gibson, Grayson Rodriguez, D.L. Hall, 
Tyler Wells, Austin Voth situation? An argument to be made that some of them yes and some of them no. So I kind of threw them all into this bin. So let's start with some of the guys who, yeah, maybe. Maybe they could be an upgrade. Start with Drew Ruzinski, 34-year-old right-hander, projected to get about a two-year, $10 million deal. He was in the KBO for the last few years in Korea, but last year with the NC Dinos in the KBO, 194 innings, he had a 2.97 ERA. Now, you never know how guys are going to pitch when they go over to Asia and then come back to Major League Baseball. He is a big question mark, but he's been an ace in the KBO, really the third best professional league behind MLB and in the NPB in Japan. And there's other MLBers who play over there as well, including many former Orioles like Hunsu Kim. Would he help? Eh, he might be able to help out of the bullpen or the rotation. Could be a nice depth signing. We'll see. Jordan Lyles is still out there. You know, I think most people projecting him to get around 8 or $9 million on a one-year deal. He's still 32. Certainly helped the Orioles last year. I think they've kind of moved on, but he is still out there. I mean, what a disappointing offseason that would be if the O's two starting pitching signings were the upgrade slightly over Jordan Lyles and Kyle Gibson and then Jordan Lyles himself. But he's out there. Drew Smiley is a free agent, 34-year-old lefty, has definitely had some injury issues over the last few years, projections about a, a one-year, $9 million deal, but when he was on the field last year, 106 innings, a 3.47 ERA, a 4.23 FIP, he's still getting guys out, it's just about, you know, is he a full-time starter, is he more of a swingman reliever, which he's kind of been in the past, can he stay healthy? But he could help the O's, and he's a guy who, if you sign him, you could certainly see him being in a full-time bullpen role as well, so could help in that way. Speaking of full-time bullpen roles, Seth Lugo is out there. While we went into the offseason thinking Lugo, you know, is a full-time reliever as he's been for the Mets over the past handful of years, Lugo is getting offers to potentially be a starting pitcher. It looks like he wants to go into someone's rotation. Now, Lugo, the 33-year-old right-hander, you know, at least when he was a reliever, the projections looked like a, about a one-year, seven to eight million dollar deal. But maybe if he's getting a deal as a starter, he'll try to get a two-year deal worth maybe nine or ten million dollars per year. But out of the bullpen for the Mets last year, 65 innings, a 3.60 ERA. He's got some good stuff, and he has pitched in length. He came up through the minors as a starter early on. He was a starter, then kind of transitioned to the bullpen with the Mets. So it's something he can do. You'd obviously be taking a risk. The fallback would be you signed a good veteran reliever, which I think the Orioles could use one of those guys. So keep an eye on Seth Lugo. I think if he's kind of a bullpen starter hybrid, he would definitely upgrade the Orioles, but we will see. And then how about how about a couple former Orioles? Wade Miley's out there, 36 years old, probably take a one-year cheap $6, 7000000 million deal. Had some big injury issues last year with the Cubs when he finally returned 37 innings, but a 3-1-6 ERA, so maybe he's still got it. Zach Davies is out there, was certainly not impressive last year, but the right-hander would come really, really cheap, probably one year, about $4 million. Speaking of not being impressive, Dylan Bundy was horrendous with the Twins last season. He's now a free agent again. They wanted to reunite there and thought there was something left in the tank, maybe one year, three or $4 million, but he looks cooked. I would, I would stay away from Dylan Bundy. Rich Hill is out there, another former Oriole. Lefty's still getting guys out at times. I mean, he's into his 40s, but he can have a, a sub-4 ERA still. Wouldn't be the worst idea in the world to bring in Rich Hill. A lot of contenders have done it over the past few years. And then you've got kind of the group of, you know, maybe these guys would even end up with minor league deals. You know, like Chris Archer, Ryan Yarbrough, Chad Cool, 
Eric Fetty, Danny Duffy, Michael Lorenzen, Michael Pineda. I mean, all these guys could get minor league deals. I think most of them would probably get, you know, low money major league deals from at the very least, like a, a rebuilding team who just needs some innings to be eaten. You know, the, the Orioles of old would be going after the Chris Archers, the Danny Duffy's, the Michael Pineda's, maybe the, the Zach Davies. I don't know if the O's should do that right now because I don't think any of those guys are really upgrades on what the O's currently have in their rotation, but they are out there. And that's that's kind of the full look. That I mean, of guys who have a chance at least to get a major league deal next year, those are all. Those are all the starting pitchers left in free agency that I named. And when you look back at it, Rodon's the number one guy out there. Don't think the O's are getting him. So you got to try to get Eovaldi. And if you don't, I mean, I can see the O's getting Syndergaard. I think there's a solid chance there, but... I mean, you kind of have to turn to trade at this point. You would have to think the Orioles are going to add a pitcher here. And I'm less patient with free agency because there's just not much left. They're not going to get Rodon. Evaldi's the last hope where it's like, yeah, that guy could start opening day and you feel good about it. Maybe three years ago, Noah Syndergaard starts opening day, but I don't know about that now. And anybody else, no, not going to cut it. So you got to move to trade. And there are some interesting names out there. You know, whether it's Pablo Lopez or Jesus Lazardo or Edward Cabrera or Trevor Rogers, any of those guys with the Marlins, they said they're willing to listen on any of their starting pitchers besides Sandy Alcantara in terms of trades. The Orioles should certainly, certainly be looking there. You know, are Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff available from the Brewers? Orioles should certainly be looking there. Is Shane Bieber available in Cleveland? Or if not, is Aaron Savali or Zach Plesac? Are they looking to deal those guys? We had an interesting report from Jim Callis on MLB Network on Tuesday who said, you know, after all these Braves deals and all these extensions, don't be surprised if the lefty, the star, all-star lefty, Max Freed, is thrown around in some trade talks this offseason. He's got two more years on his contract, but it doesn't look like the Braves are going to be able to extend him after that. I mean, the O's would have to give up a lot, but I would love to get Max Freed, and then also came out on Tuesday that the Mets are listening to offers on Carlos Carrasco, veteran righty who is in the final year of his contract, would only be owed $14 million, had a sub-4 ERA through 160 innings for the Mets last year, but with all the starting pitching that they have added, Carrasco, they feel a little bit expendable. I would love to see the O's go there as well, so there are still options on the trade market. But... If we get here in a couple days and Rodon and Eovaldi and Syndergaard are off the board as well, it may not even be worth it for the Orioles to add anyone else in free agency via starting pitching. That's kind of where we're at. If you don't get Eovaldi, Rodon, or Syndergaard, it's going to be hard to convince me that the O's are really, really, truly upgrading. And that's why it's frustrating. Because you felt like there were all these options out there and they just kept going off the board. I mean, you had recently guys like Manaya and Bassett and Kodai Senga. And then on Tuesday, Ross Stripling. Signed a two-year, $25 million deal with the Giants. So he was off the board as well. Thought he'd be a nice, like, back end of the rotation pickup. So here we are. What will the O's do? Can they still upgrade? We will see. But hopefully, hey, hopefully they are looking at the trade market. And maybe it was the trade market all along. Maybe it was trades that they were targeting. They all Maybe they all along said, you know what? Let's get a back-end guy in free agency. They got him in Gibson. Then we'll, we'll put some offers out there. But, you know, if guys are getting too much money, let's turn to trades because... If the Orioles feel like, hey, you know what, we can trade more than anybody else, they're kind of right. And so they have a leg up on other teams to go get someone on the trade market. And so later this week, we'll talk about that. Who could be available via trade 
among starting pitchers. And uh, what would the O's have to give up to get some of the top guys out there? But that's coming up later this week, starting when we're back here tomorrow on the pod. But until then, I'm Connor Newcomb, and this has been the Locked On Orioles podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.